athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. It has been an extremely busy week. We can talk a little bit more about that later on in the program. We've got to get right to it. As a matter of fact, let me set the table for you. University of Maryland head football coach Mike Loxley. Also, North Carolina State head football coach Dave Doran. And Philadelphia Eagles defensive tackle Javon Hargrave, formerly of South Carolina State, all going to join us today here on Box to Row. Momentarily, we're going to be joined by Alabama State head football coach Eddie Robinson Jr. As the HBCU football season kicked off last Saturday, we've got plenty of games this Saturday. Listen, you know about the FAMU situation, a lot going on there. I spoke about it. You can check it out on our podcast on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. Also, the game of the week, we are previewing that also on our HBCU Daily Podcast on our website at BoxToRow.com or wherever you get your podcast. Or you can also watch the HBCU Football Daily Podcast on our YouTube page. Type in BoxToRow on YouTube. Let's continue here on Box to Row. We're joined by a gentleman in his first season as the head football coach at Alabama State where he's an alum of the school. The Hornets are coming off the 23-13 victory over Howard last week in Atlanta. Next up for the, the, of course, for the Hornets, a Saturday tilt against Miles. Eddie Robinson, Jr., the head football coach at Alabama State joins us here on Box to Row. Coach Robinson, welcome to the program. Hey, man, glad to be here. You do a great job, so it's always my pleasure to help you guys out. I, I, we appreciate it very much. I've, I've, I've seen you for quite some time doing different things, and and now you're in you, – you, I mean, you're an, you're an HBCU guy, right? You're an Alabama State guy. You've done a lot of things for HBCUs, but on the outside, like with the MEAC-SWAC Challenge in years past, but how does it feel to be – the head football coach at your alma mater? I mean, it's definitely a little different. I mean, you show up to the stadium, and instead of having a ticket and, and cheering and rooting, and uh, you're getting the game plan together. You're making sure that the kids are locked in, the training room, equipment staff. So uh, it, it's a big responsibility, but one that I don't take lightly. And, you know, my former head coach, Houston Markham, um, just knowing all that he had to do and the Marino chasms and those guys, is just, it's just I'm just so proud and honored to – you know, put my name on that list of all of the great coaches who have come through the conference. No doubt great coaches that have come through the conference, but you were a great player that came through the conference. As a matter of fact, I, I didn't know this before, but you were the youngest uh, ever to be inducted into the SWAC Hall of Fame at the age of 28 years old. What do you remember most about those day, your, the playing days at your alma mater and 
Um, just talk about being inducted into the SWAC Hall of Fame at such a young age. Yeah, I think to me it was just a matter of, you know, playing in the conference, there were so many guys who were going to that next level. And, uh, you know, the Jimmy Smiths, the Ashley Ambrose, the Steve McNairs, of course. And so, I mean, it was it was just an honor to play in the, the, the late 90s, I mean, early 90s, late 80s with the guys that, that we were able to compete against. And, uh, of course, we still had the legendary coaches who were still on the field. Uh, some of them were towards the end of their career, like Eddie Robinson, but you still had the WC Gardens, the Godfather, Marino Chasm. So I think to me it was just the colorful coaches. That was the that was the big thing that we saw. You know, even Walter Highsmith at Texas Southern. So it was, it was just fun, man. Every week was a big game. You know, of course, as BET came and Charlie Neal, you was even more excited. So And I've kind of went the full circle. I went as a player and then – when I went, I did my analyst work doing the ESPNU games, and me and Charlie Neal called a lot of games together, and Jay Walker. So, to be a player and then to to be on the analyst side, you know, with Charlie, and and hopefully Charlie can call one of our games this year. That, I guess that'll just kind of complete the whole circle for me. <laughs> but um, I mean, like you say, I'm a swag guy, man. I love everything about HBCUs, the bands, the cheerleaders, the fans, and uh, there's nothing like a black college football game. Eddie Robinson Jr., the head football coach at Alabama State, joins us here on Box to Row. Your quarterback, Demetrius Davis, named the HBCU National Player of the Week. He was 16 of 23, 184 yards. Uh, the touchdown, he also rushed uh, for 37 yards. He, he transferred in uh, from Auburn. When we previewed the game uh, last week, you know, it was one of those deals where this is going to be his first college football game. So even though he had transferred from Auburn, didn't play. Uh, but he, uh, you know, thought he played pretty well. But your thoughts on how he played? Yeah, I mean, he really stepped up. And that was the big thing. Of course, you're never hitting the quarterbacks in practice. And he didn't get a spring. So he was a late transfer. So he only had the summer and, of course, training camp. So and he's still putting the offense in. I mean, he knows a lot of it. But he's going to get better each week as he learns more and then feel comfortable with the information. So right now it's still uh, you hear it, you think about it, you process it. Once he gets into it, he'll just hear it and he'll just the picture will immediately come in front of his face. So, uh, but but there's a kid that I mean he was 53 and three was his high school record so he played a lot of games there's not too many guys that played 56 high school games and won two state championships so you're talking about you know big time games and at the Texas 6A level so I mean he he's a guy that has a little bit more experience than your normal freshman and I think you can see that with the poise that he had even though he didn't play a snap at Auburn I mean he still came out and and really surpassed what I was expecting just because of his ability to stay under control. And he had, had two turnovers um, that we have to clean up. You know, when you have that type of running ability, sometimes you're a little bit overconfidence in it. And so he just has to make sure he gets the ball out of his hand and keeps it out of negative plays. A couple of more thoughts with Eddie Robinson, Jr., the head football coach at Alabama State. Uh, you know, that's an interesting dynamic. I, and I know you're not looking too far ahead, but, I mean, you play Miles uh, on Saturday. And then next week you travel to L.A. Uh, to take on – uh, UCLA just first of all really your thoughts I mean that's 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 pretty major particularly when you're talking about an HBCU school going out to LA to play uh, UCLA but then the dynamic of playing a D2 and then a power five the next week yeah that's 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 pretty big that's that's a big difference I guess and I guess we're right in the middle of that so um, I mean first of all with the miles game we haven't even talked about the UCLA game with the team so you know we're we're one game at a time. You know, most coaches are going to have that same approach. Um, other than a different travel schedule, we'll go out there early on Thursday. Uh, but for us, it has to be 100% focused on this game. I guess once we get past this game, 
I mean, all of the kids have kind of talked about that UCLA game in the preseason, so everybody's excited about it. You know, we have some guys who have NFL aspirations, so they understand that this is the type of game that they have to step up and play well in, you know, if they want those type of things to come true. Um, but for me, it was always a dream of mine to play in the Rose Bowl. I don't, I don't know what kid, you know, didn't grow up watching the USC and UCLA or the Rose Bowl game, Pac-10, Big Ten. I mean, that's that's just one of those those things that for the school and for the program, I was there a couple of years ago when our band marched in the Rose Bowl parade, and then I went to the Rose Bowl game afterwards. I think it was uh, Washington and Ohio State. And so, um, I mean, for me, it's just a it's a dream come true to not make it there as a player, but for my alma mater, Alabama State, to give give me a chance to be there as a coach. And so, I'm looking forward to it. I know our fans are, the players are, the band, everybody. So, it's just going to be beautiful to see that Alabama State logo helmet uh, lined up against the UCLA Bruins. You know, a program that has a lot of rich tradition. Last thought, your memories of playing in the National Football League started out with the Houston Oilers, then Jacksonville Jaguars kind of coming back to the Oilers, if you will, with the Tennessee Titans and then rounding out your career with the Buffalo Bills and being playing in that Super Bowl with uh, Steve McNair, who you played against while you both were in the SWAC. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, for me, you know, playing against Steve, I played against Fred also. I played against Fred for, I think, a year or two. Uh, he was a quarterback, of course, and uh, did well against us. And then, you know, my senior year, you know, Steve was a freshman. But, I mean, he was he was that freshman that you knew was going to be really good. I mean, we didn't know, you know, finishing in the ranks of the Heisman Trophy ballot and first-round pick, nobody knew he was going to be that good. But, you know, once I got to the Oilers, you know, Warren Moon, we traded him. So that next year we were 2-14, and 14, which was 94. So the whole talk was, hey, should we or should we not draft Steve McNair? So me as a player on the team, I'm like, yes, please draft <laughs> Steve McNair. You know, so I'm, I'm telling every scout and coach, like, hey, man, this guy is wonderful. I played against him. He's out the swag. I'm out the swag. Let's get him. And so uh, fortunately we did draft him early in the in the draft, and, and we went on to have a great career. And, and I played against him when I was with the Jaguars. Then we played together, went to the Super Bowl, and lost at the end. But um, definitely a guy that I still miss. I know the Alcorn family, the Swack family, is, is, is a lot of different moments in life when I think about, man, if Steve was still here with all the things that he did in the community, just a great person he was, you know, what could he have done? You talk about, you know, Deion Sanders and Hugh Jackson and myself, NFL guys coming back to help the conference. You know, how could Steve McNair have participated in helping the Swack? know regrow his brand the way we're doing now and i'm not saying as a coach but just his personality and, and him being a former swag guy who loved alcorn he had a he had a tattoo on his arm that said swag you know what i'm saying so i mean he was a he was 100 percent all in for the swag and that's the thing that i remember about him just a great player but more importantly just a great person eddie robinson jr the head football coach at alabama state joins us here on box to row as the hornets are going to host miles on saturday Coach Robinson, appreciate the time. Continued success to you and the Hornets. Absolutely. Anytime you need me, I'm a phone call away, man. Best of luck, and I hope you guys really enjoy this uh, HBCU football season as much as we plan to. So a big win to open the season for Eddie Robinson and the Hornets in the victory over Howard. I thought Alabama State did a phenomenal job. Davis had it was had a really good game if you – and listened to the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. I mean, I thought the the concern I had, he was a prolific player in high school in Texas at quarterback, was that he hadn't played as his first college game, and uh, he passed with flying colors. I mean, I watched that game, and he looked pretty solid in that game. 
So uh, that's a dynamic. Miles this week and then UCLA the following week for the Hornets. So still to come here on Box to Row, we're going to be joined by Maryland head football coach Kevin Loxley, North Carolina State head football coach Dave Doran. But up next, Javon Hargrave of the Eagles and formerly of South Carolina State joins us. Brothers on my job for the way I hold a piece of steel. To what you're saying. The 2022 State Fair Classic, Grambling State versus Prairie View A&M, Saturday, October 1st at the Cotton Bowl inside the world's largest state fair. Let's go with Dan. Are you ready? One ticket gets you into the fair and the big game. What did you just say? Come early for the fair, stay later for the game. One ticket also. also. At 4 p.m. performing live on the Chevy Main Stage, Grammy Award winning Ashanti Live. Then, the classic kicks off at a new time, 6 p.m. Watch two new head coaches battle it out for the first time. The battle gets bigger at halftime. When the world-famed Tiger Marching Band takes on the Prairie View A&M Marching Store. Saturday, October 1st at the Cotton Bowl. Tickets available at Ticketmaster.com. Visit StateFairClassicFootball.com. Sponsored in part by City of Dallas. Dallas Sports Commission. McDonald's. Black and Positively Golden. Chevy. Cricket Wireless. And Methodist Hospital. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Available in fresh markets in Northern Virginia, Richmond, and Lynchburg at Barrel and Bushel in Tyson's Corner Center and in Total Wines throughout Virginia. The others pretend you're listening to the show that brings you up close and personal. Up close and personal. With the biggest names in sports and entertainment. Here's the man to bring it to you, Donald Ware. We're going to keep things moving here on the program. We're joined by a gentleman in his seventh season in the National Football League, currently with the Philadelphia Eagles, a former third-round pick by the Steelers in the 2016 NFL Draft. He made the Pro Bowl for the Eagles on last year, the two-time or the former two-time box to row Willie Davis Defensive Player of the Year out of South Carolina State is Javon Hargrave, who joins us here on the program. What's going on, Javon? It's been a while, man. Welcome back to the program. Yeah, I'm good, man. Can't complain. Uh, just, you know, just grinding it out, getting ready for the season. Man, you've been grinding it out. I mean, let's talk about last year. I mean, it was your first Pro Bowl. You grinded, as you mentioned, grinded it out. Seven and a half sacks on the season, 63 tackles uh, for loss. And all of that, I mean, you just had a really good season. Two games, you sacked the quarterback twice, including against Atlanta and Matt Ryan. Then you had a playoff uh, sack against uh, Tom Brady. Your thoughts uh, on your season last year? Now, it was one of my be- better years in the NFL. 
I think just I feel like last year I just kind of put it all together, you know, with my training and my my getting ready for the season and just uh, everything, everything I just uh, kind of had in order and it just had me having an unbelievable year that year, last year. So it was just, just a different type of grind. Yeah, which led to the Pro Bowl. I know that had to be exciting for you being able to make the Pro Bowl for the first time in your career. Even though you had been putting in the work, I mean, you you're one of you've been one of the best interior linemen in the National Football League since your rookie year, and it finally paid off making your first Pro Bowl. Yeah, it's it's one of the things you know. Um, sometimes it's hard to get recognition um, playing in the inside like that, but. It was just, I, I guess that's that's kind of the uh, reasons we put in all the work is just to get recognized as one of the best at our position. So last year was a great feeling, um, really addicting feeling. So <laughs> that's all the work being towards this year is just trying to get that feeling again, uh, um, being recognized as one of the best to do it. Yeah, you were able to get it done. Talk about 2020. I, You know, I know, I think the last time we talked may have been May have been your may have been 2019, so your your last year um, in in Pittsburgh. Uh, but your just your thoughts on 2020 and and trying to you know it's a new team, it's a new situation, and you know you're you're looking to kind of kind of adapt a bit, if you will. I think 2020 was just I guess a weird year for all of us because one that's when COVID did. Going to a new, I was coming. To, to a new team and um you know the big thing in COVID year was just being away from everybody so I was coming to a new team and not being able to talk to my teammates or not being able to bond through OTAs and practice with them then I came here um had a little nicked up little injury in training camp so I was really away and not being able to be with the teammates so it was really a tough year the first year I got here um but during the season it got a lot better just being able to bond with my teammates. And um, even last year, last year just uh, being more comfortable, being more comfortable with everybody and being able to talk and, you know, be around people, it just made it so much better. But, yeah, 2020 was pretty rough um, making that transition. But it, it is great now because I love my teammates and love love my team, man. It's um, it's a lot better right now. Obviously, the National Football League is a business. Was, was it – tough I mean at the time I mean at the time you signed with the Eagles you were the highest paid uh interior lineman in the National Football League was it tough leaving the team that drafted you or you know is it just kind of kind of how uh the business side of things work it was definitely tough to leave uh you know some of my friends um I was in Pittsburgh for four years so it was definitely sad to leave and go uh even though I didn't go far, because I'm really <laughs> right. I was away from Pittsburgh, but it was definitely sad leaving it. But I think you really understand the business, um, and you just gotta do what you, uh, you know, you just gotta do what you gotta do uh, from a business standpoint. Um, but like I said, it was definitely rough that first year. But I think as time went and I got comfortable, and you know, I got some really good guys over here that it made it real a real better transition as time went. Defensive tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles, Javon Hargrave, Pro Bowler in 2021, former third-round pick by the Steelers in the 2016 National Football League draft, joins us here on the program. Speak to, 
you made the switch, right? You were wearing number 93. You made the switch to number 97. Those of us that saw you play at South Carolina State know that's the number uh, that you wore uh, there. Is that the reason you made uh, the switch? And, and from a, I don't know, psychological superstition standpoint, I mean, it was, maybe that was part of the reason you maybe had statistically <laughs> your best year ever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been trying to get that number since I got in the league. When I went to Pittsburgh, uh, Cam had it. Cam Hayward had it uh, all my years. It was not letting me get it. Then I came to the Eagles, and Malik Jackson uh, had it at first. So last year was the first year I could actually get the number. Uh, and, yeah, that's how I kind of – I was telling everybody, um, my parents and family, it's just what I did when I finally – like what I did when I had this number on, so – of course, that's why I wanted to make the switch because, I mean, that's that was my better years in that 97, so I wanted to get back to it. Yeah, no doubt about it. Javon Hargrave, defensive tackle for the Eagles, joins us here in the program. Your thoughts? Uh, you, you guys made the playoffs, obviously, last year, made the switch to Jalen Hurts, who's obviously going to be the starting quarterback uh, for the Eagles. What have you seen, you know, from him in terms of his preparation for this upcoming season? I think it's just his maturity um, of knowing, you know, where to go with the ball. Um, just him growing every year and getting better. Uh, he's been more accurate. He's just, you know, knowing his reads. I think that's 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 what happened with every young player in the NFL. It's just every year you either grow or you you stay the same. Well, not stay the same or you get worse. Um, but you can see him just keep climbing that mountain and um, keep getting better every each year. And he he looked a lot more comfortable this year. No doubt. And then the the addition of AJ Brown at wide receiver. Your thoughts? And then also, I mean, on the other side, Devontae Smith had a really good uh, rookie season for you guys last year. Yes, yeah, there's a lot of talent here. Um, I think that's that's everywhere um, on our team. Um, AJ Brown. Big receiver, uh, it's, it's hard for DBs to, uh, you know, one, he's fast, and he he's a physical receiver, and when he gets the ball in his hand, it's like he's a running back. So it's definitely uh, a lot of difficult for some of the smaller defensive backs to be able to even go or even tackle him. And Devontae, Devontae, Devontae's smooth. He's a great route runner. Um, he always comes to work, too. He, he, he one of them ones that's really – dedicated and addicted to working so you can just see him getting better um from last year to this year so i'm real excited to see them boys work yeah and how how good can this eagles defense be i mean i think we can be as good as we want to be um i mean we know all that's around the team but we know we got to come up and show up every day because the nfl <laughs> we got to show up every sunday um send a message out to the league. Yeah, a couple of more thoughts with Javon Hargrave here in the program. What do you remember most about those days uh, at South Carolina State? And, and, and uh, boy, you were just a dominant player, not just in, in, in the MEAC, but in uh, FCS football as a whole. It was some fun. It was some fun days. Uh, you know, second quarter of that, uh, you know, I just remember that Batum Cookman game with having a six pack for just you know, just um winning the meet with my, my teammates my second year there. Or just you know, it's just 
the grind, the grind of going to South Carolina State, uh, the winter condition or the summertime grind. I just remember all of that. And um, I think, you know, just just coming for South Carolina State just kind of gave me the hunger. Um, one, just to, you know, show up for the HBCU and, and for them. And um, also just have um, when I was there and um, using all my resources. Yeah, and then what does it mean to you to be kind of part of a renaissance of HBCU stars in the league? You got, you know, yourself, Darius Leonard. I mean, there are others, but I mean, I would I would say that this started with you uh, back in 2016. I mean, you were instantly a really good player when you stepped uh, on the field initially with the Steelers. Yeah, it was always. I remember um, when I went to, um, I can't remember the awards, the box rolls. Not Boxwell, but um, you know the award, the National ACCU yeah. Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. I think I was seen there talking to some of the uh, the vets. I mean, you know the um, Doug Williams and stuff. And that was one of the things he was telling me before going in the league that you know if if I did bad, it was gonna represent everybody. So I kind of kept that kept that in my ear when I showed up to work and uh, really didn't want to let nobody down. So. That was kind of um, my thing um, coming into the lead is just taking advantage and making, you know, doing everything right and just keeping my head down and working. Well, you you tried to mention us. It's okay. We did come down and the bo- box to roll. We I did know. come down and give you the award. We did. I, I remember. I remember y'all too. <laughs> I remember it all. Yeah, matter of fact, that was your junior year when you won that award uh, in in fourteen. Last thought: um, uh, the Lions. Your thoughts on the Lions as you have them uh, next week on uh, on your in the Eagles opening game? Oh, I know they're gonna be a tough team. Um, just looking at some of their hard uh, hard not stuff, I know they're gonna be really built on running that ball and um, you know trying to be real tough and being aggressive. So. We know we got our hands full for that game, and that's the that's the start of the season. So we're looking forward um, for the challenge and, you know, trying to get that win that first game. Eagles open the season on the road next Sunday against the Detroit Lions again in the seventh season as uh, d- the defensive tackle or one of defensive tackles for the Philadelphia Eagles is Javon Hargrave, former two-time box to row Willie Davis defensive player of the year pro bowler last year as he joins us here on the program javon always been a while man always great to catch up with you good luck yes, to you man. and the eagles this season man, i appreciate you and it's always good to catch up with you too man javon hargrave soft spoken off the field but a beast on the field university of maryland head football coach mike loxley is up next let's continue here on the program we're joined by a gentleman who is in his fourth year on his second stint as the head football coach at the University of Maryland. The Terps were 7-6 and six last season, including winning a bowl game. He is a Washington, D.C. native. He is Mike Loxley. Joins us here on the program. Coach Loxley, welcome to Box to Row. What's going on? I appreciate it, and uh, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Now, we're both DMV guys, right? now, And, I'm see, I'm a – I'm a Morgan State guy. You're a Towson guy. I'm not going to hold that against you. <laughs> no, nah, it's right down the road. That's our little brother's school. <laughs> I think you got that uh, reversed. I, I believe you had that reversed. Yeah, 
Okay, my bad. My bad. <laughs> no, it's all good. Wait, so, growing in D- so you grew up in in DC. Where'd you go to? Um, where'd you go to high school? Uh, went to Baloo High School. Graduated in uh, the '80s class of '87. Um, grew up in the southwest section of DC, down in the Greenleaf area. Um, uh, as a child. Yeah, what do you remember about th- those days? Like, I mean, I you know I grew up in in Silver Spring, but my father grew up in the in the city. You know, back yeah. in 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 the uh, you know, 50s and 60s and so forth, where, you know, athletics in the city have always been great. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, growing up in the southwest section, obviously, uh, for us in that area, every section of the city had a a boys and girls club, a a police boys and girls club, and I was part of the number four Metropolitan Vikings. And, um, you know, you had the different number clubs. You had number two in Northeast. You had number 11 over across the bridge in Southeast. You had, you know, number 14, all the different clubs. So we always competed against all the different other sections of the city. And I'm talking in every sport, you know, nowadays kids are specializing in sports at the age of nine and they don't play other sports. Whereas for us growing up uh, in a city, you just went from sport to sport to sport throughout the course of the year and, you know, I thought that played a major, major role in just the development of the type of talent that, that was coming out of the city back in those days. What does it mean to you to be a Washingtonian and be now the head football coach in your second stint, uh, the head football coach there at Maryland? Yeah, I mean, for me, as I said, man, it was a dream come true. Um, you know, anybody that has followed me and all my family and friends knew very early that for me, when I got into this coaching business, that the 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 the, pro, the eye on the prize was one day to become the head coach here and big believer in setting goals and then working toward the goals with the actions behind it and you know to be able to achieve the the what I dreamt of being able to do which is become a head coach here at the University of Maryland is just it's been it's been great and like I told people every day I drive in here to Jones Hill House I, I pull in with a big smile on my face that you know here I am representing the university that I grew up as a kid uh, rooting for and have an opportunity to change the lineage of kids' lives by giving them education through the game of football. Mike Loxley in his fourth season as the head football coach at the University of Maryland joins us here on the program. Coach Loxley, let's talk about last season, 2021. Uh, 7-6 and overall. Uh, Your thoughts on last season, including – that uh, that big bowl win uh, at the end of the season. Yeah, the big thing was last year for us was obviously we're we're happy uh, with how it ended. Um, a, a bowl win against a, a, a regional a rival like Virginia Tech and a winning season. You know, going into year three of a of a real tough rebuild. I mean, when we took over the program, um, it had hit rock bottom, and uh, it's been a lot of work, and it's still a lot, it's still a to do um, by no means is last year our standard in terms of what we uh, want to accomplish as a football program but I think it was a step in the right direction um, having the kids really buy in um, to to the things we're doing you know from the time I got a chance to spend at Alabama learning and, and, and adding to my toolbox of what it takes to build a championship program and implementing the things that we can implement here uh, you know it's been great to see us take that step, but still um, a lot of work to do. Um, still, uh, again, I still think the best part of our, uh, the best is ahead for our football program, and we're working diligently and as quickly as we can to, 
to restore uh, the program back to what I kind of knew it to become in the mid-'80s when I was a kid rooting for this team. Yeah, it's inter- that's where I wanted to go because growing up, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a couple of years younger than you, but towards when I was coming up, you know, Maryland just wasn't great in football. So, you know, and then you had all the all of the other things. You had, you know, at the time, the Redskins. You've got the Bullets. You've got so much going on in Washington. What did it – you know, how, how did that season last year sort of help to galvanize the area, if you will, back towards Maryland football? You guys seem to be on the right track. Yeah, you know, this area has always been kind of fair weather fans, as you and I both know, very loyal, obviously, to the, the, the commander team that we, you know, that, that we grew up rooting for. They've always supported them over the years. But, um, you know, when I grew up in the mid 80s, the 84, 85, 80, you know, 83, 80, 45 Terps were back triple, uh, three times in a row ACC champions. And so, um, that's the team I remember. And so, you know, then having a chance to be here earlier in my career, you know, with uh, Coach Friesen from 2001 to 2003 and to win, you know, 30 games in three years, I've seen pockets of great success here, you know, with the, with the Maryland football program. The issue has been it hasn't been consistent. And, you know, other than Coach Friesen, when you look at just the way the program has, uh, at what it's gone through, you know, our basketball program, you know, a lot of people like to say basketball school, but, you know, in, in, in reality, they've had really three head coaches in 40 years. When you think back to lefty, you know, Coach Williams and Turgeon, and then obviously, you know, Bob Wade had a, a cup of coffee here before he was, uh, you know, before he was fired. But the football program has just had a lot of different people lead the program. And over the last 15 years since Bobby Ross left, there's really been no consistency, and I'm hoping to be here for a long, long time and create the uh, stability and consistency necessary for us to get it back to a championship level. That the voice, of course, of Mike Loxley, head football coach at Maryland, joins us here on the program. Let's talk some personnel. Uh, you have Mr. Tugavailoa uh, as your quarterback. He had a nice season uh, on last year. Speak to the expectations for him in 2022. Yeah, you know, Lee is one of those guys that, and again, I've gotten on a soapbox about him because I really felt he was underrated uh, coming out of last season. When you look at the type of year he had, one of the best years a Maryland quarterback has had in the history of it, and yet, you know, I don't think he's recognized even within our own fan base and locally of just what a talent we have at the quarterback position. Um, the expectation and the standard for him, um, he kind of, Set last year, but obviously, as I said, with all parts of our program, there's room for growth and improvement. And uh, we are we have the expectation, as with all the different position groups, that we'll get better with each and every year. So I have high expectations for Leah, uh, talented quarterback, has the ability to make all the throws, um, really, really can make make plays both in the air and with his feet, and just really competitive. So and has a lot of weapons around him. So expectation is that he'll he'll be able to have a a big time year for us and continue to take us to the next level two-part question i want to get your thoughts on big 10 expansion uh specifically usc and ucla coming to the big 10 and i mean did you ever think that we would see uh the university of maryland in the big 10 as it is now yeah you know from an expansion standpoint i thought it was a Tremendous power move by Kevin Warren, our commissioner of the Big Ten, 
you know, obviously the SEC had made the first move in that chess match by adding Texas and Oklahoma uh, to their, their, their conference. And for us to be able to go get two blue blood programs like UCLA and USC with storied traditions and, uh, you know, great, great past histories in the game of football, that they add value to our league. And, you know, we're, we like to say we're the best of both worlds. We've got strong academics uh, throughout the Big Ten, but also play uh, really good football. And so the addition of those two teams only makes us uh, stronger. And obviously, if you look at uh, the command we've had with the media deal we've just signed, it, it shows the power of the Big Ten brand. You know, as far as Maryland being in the Big Ten, no, none of us could have ever imagined the way the landscape of college football has moved and the way it's moved toward uh, the, this expansion. And, you know, we were a founding member of the ACC conference. And when we made the move in 2014, I was a part of the staff when it happened. Um, definitely was a tough pill to swallow because of the traditions that we had being a part of the ACC. But when you started looking at the financial uh, implications of being a part of the Big Ten compared to the ACC, and where Maryland is as a research university, one of the strongest research universities in the country, um, it just was a better fit. And, you know, I can tell you in hindsight, um, we're very lucky we made that move in 2014 because we've put ourselves in position to have great success, not just as an athletic department, but as a university as a whole. Last two thoughts uh, you mentioned uh, after Maryland uh, coming to as an offensive analyst at Alabama, ultimately the offensive coordinator, and then in 2018 winning the Bro- the uh, Broyles Award as the top assistant coach in college football. What did that mean to you? You know, it, it kind of gave me a little bit of more validation. Um, over the years, you know, when people described or talked about locks, they, they referenced the recruiting piece, um, which they typically do um, with, with coaches like myself. And I think winning the Broyles Award uh, validates that it's, it's, I'm more than a recruiter. Um, I'm actually running the offense. Um, you know, I ran an offense at Illinois that went to a Rose Bowl. I uh, was part of a system here at the University of Maryland under Coach Friedgen that won 30 games in three years. And then, you know, having an opportunity to lead the, uh, as I say, have the keys to the Ferrari there at Alabama, um, I think, you know, validated that more than just a recruiter has the ability to X and O with the best of them. And, you know, if we get the right pieces in here, we'll, we'll be able to uh, continue to, to put points on the board and have explosive systems. And that was important, correct, as a black man to be an offensive coordinator that is now at the top level uh, to now put you in the position that you are now where there are very few black head coaches at Power 5 schools. Exactly. And uh, for a guy like Nick Saban to uh, bestow that position upon you as a coach, he's well respected by all the powers that be in this industry. Uh, I think it speaks volumes to have that on your resume that Nick Saban thought enough of you as a coach that uh, he made you his coordinator and you had great success. Last thought, sometimes it takes time to build something, particularly there at Maryland because it had, had been down. You had a nice 7-6 and six season. What did it mean to get the extension through the 2026 season? You know, and, and to be honest, I was um, a little disappointed because I remember talking to my boss that I didn't want an extension based on going 7-6 and six because, to me, that's not our standard and, but I do, uh, obviously, I'm appreciative of, of my boss recognizing um, what we inherited, what we came into, and just how far we've been able to get it. 
uh, in a short period of time. And a lot of it's been done with sweat equity, you know, with, you know, the type of, uh, the type of place we are here, we've had to rely on, you know, local players uh, deciding to stay home. And uh, obviously they put a, a lot of uh, resources into the new facility we just moved into, but it's been, it's been a lot of work. It's been hard, um, but we didn't expect it to be easy. And so um, it's great to be recognized with the extension that they recognize the job we've done in a short time. But again, I, I continue to say that seven to six isn't the standard by which we want to be judged or rewarded and looking forward to trying to build, uh, rebuild this again this year and, and taking the next step this year. The Terps open the season Saturday, September 3rd at home against Buffalo again in his fourth season. Second stint as the head football coach at the University of Maryland is Mike Loxley, who joins us here on the program. Coach Lox, appreciate the time. Good luck to you and the Terps this season. Thanks a lot, man. Looking forward to seeing you guys out in the shells. Please come support your guys. If you're in the DMV, go on out and support the Terp. Should be a different than what we've been accustomed to. North Carolina State head football coach Dave Duran is up next. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Available in fresh markets in Northern Virginia, Richmond, and Lynchburg at Barrel and Bushel in Tyson's Corner Center, and in Total Wines throughout Virginia. Hit me! The 2022 State Fair Classic. Grambling State versus Prairie View A&M. Saturday, October 1st at the Cotton Bowl. One ticket gets you into the fair and the big game. Also, Grammy Award winning Ashanti live. And the Classic kicks off at a new time, 6 p.m. New coaches, old rivalry, and an iconic halftime battle of events. Tickets available at Ticketmaster.com. Visit StateFairClassicFootball.com. Sponsored in part by City of Dallas. Dallas Sports Commission. McDonald's. Black and Positively Golden. Chevy. Cricket Wireless. Methodist Hospital. Track down the names making news in sports from the press box to press row. It's Donald Ware from the press box to press row. Let's continue here on the program. We're joined by a gentleman in his 10th season as the head football coach at North Carolina State. The Wolfpack ranked number 13 to start the season. Got a Saturday tilt on the road at East Carolina as Dave Doran joins us here on the program. Coach Doran, welcome to Botch to Row. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Your thoughts on the season last year where the Wolfpack finished 9-3 and three in 2021? Well, it was a good season, you know. I mean, as uh, nine wins at NC State is is uh, something that's only been done like 10, 11 times in 130 years. We were undefeated at home, you know, had a double overtime win and and uh, with Clemson and hadn't beaten them in my tenure here, and, and then had a pretty epic comeback win over our rival UNC to finish. So, thought it was an excellent year. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a close game, if I remember, with Clemson going back, I don't know, uh, maybe 2016, something like that. He lost by seven points. 
Speak to that. I mean, that you're right. That was a big-time win for the Wolfpack over Clemson in double overtime. Yeah, I mean, we've had several tight games with them and, and lost on a field goal down there. And uh, I don't even remember, 17 maybe now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they've been a great uh, – the pinnacle probably of our, our league, you know. Clemson's done a tremendous job. Coach Sweeney's um, done a great job building that program and winning and being in the playoffs, winning national championships and so on. So to knock them off was quite a feat. and something we've been close to to doing but never knocked them off you know so it's nice to take that next step I mean we'll talk personnel but from the standpoint of opening the season at ECU can you speak to that a great opener for uh the entire state of North Carolina yeah I mean anytime you play an in-state game uh, from a fan standpoint they're going to be very meaningful you know for us we want to win every game, and so there really isn't anything people are making it more special than it is from a football standpoint. We're playing a team that we want to beat. They're in the way, and we're going to their place. It's going to be an awesome environment. Their crowds are always energetic, so we're excited about the opportunity. Dave Doran in his 10th season as the head football coach at number 13 NC State joins us here on the program. Can you speak to the – I mean, you've got an experienced team. You talk about 10 starters on the defensive side of the ball, seven offensively. And and one of the notes that I read, a nugget that I read that I thought was very interesting, 11 of those players uh, have played at least five seasons at NC State, which I think is phenomenal, especially in where we are in terms of college football. But, But speak to that in the experience that you have with this football team. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I can't do as a coach is make players older, you know. So experience and age are two things that you really value, you know, as a head coach. And having young men that have thousands of game reps in your program that they can lean back on for teachable things that happen to them over time and the lessons they can share with their teammates and brothers, I think all that is it's really critical. And you look at teams that do well at the end of the year, you look at the Final Four, you look at the, the national championship games, most of the time they're pretty experienced. No doubt. Uh, so let, let's talk some personnel. Let's talk about <laughs> that quarterback of yours, Devin Leary, ACC preseason uh, player of the year, offensive player of the year. Threw for a school record 35 touchdowns last year. Had a really good season, really a prolific season when you talk about the history of NC State. Talk about guys like, you know, Phillip Rivers and Roman Gabriel and so on and so forth. Uh, Just talk about what you've seen from him in terms of camp leading in uh, to this game against ECU. Uh, Devin's a really good football player. Uh, He's all in. He loves the game. He loves his teammates. He's really talented. Sees things well. He's tough. Can manage the pocket. Understands the clock management that goes with the game. And you know he's playing at a school that has a great tradition at that position. You know it's more than the two names you just talked about. And there's Russell Wilson. He's also an NFL player. There's Ryan Finley, who's a great player for us here, and Mike Glennon and Jacoby Brissett. So we've had a lineage of quarterbacks, and and Devin is. You know, one of the best that's ever played here and has a chance to break a bunch of records this year if things go his way. And what what is that? You mentioned those names. I mean, you've coached, you know, a lot of – quite a few of, uh, of those guys. It's it's almost like uh, 
a little bit like quarterback you there at NC State. Yeah, well, we've got quite a bit of uh, good things happening at that position. I mean, before Phillip retired, we had five quarterbacks starting at one time in the NFL. So it's definitely a position group that's uh, excelled, not just here, but in the, in the NFL as well. Dave Darn, the head football coach at North Carolina State, ranked number 13 in the country, joins us here on the program. One of, maybe one of the spots where you don't have as much experience is the running back uh, position. Your two two guys that were studs for you last year uh, are, are gone. Who are those guys you expect to step up for you in 2022? Yeah, we lost Bam Knight, who's uh, on the active roster with the Jets, and Ricky Person. Um, Jordan Houston will start at tailback for us, and then Demi Sumo, Demarcus Jones, and, and uh, Delbert Mims, those four guys you'll see, you know, and all of them will have a role, uh, not just in our offense, but on special teams. So excited for that group. They've got a big chip on their shoulder, and I know they're anxious to get out and show what they can do. How good can this defense be? I mean, 10 starters returning from last year. Well, if they're healthy, they could be really good. You know, I mean, that's the biggest key right now. We've had a bunch of guys out and they had a bunch of experience uh, on that side of the ball return, not just starters, but backups that became starters when the injuries took place. So we're excited about what those kids have, and we know that we've got to step up and handle our business. You know, there's going to be a lot of people that are scheming what we do and trying to figure out ways to move the football against our guys. But uh, feel good about, you know, the players we have back, and I think Tony Gibson does a tremendous job with them. A couple of more thoughts with North Carolina State head football coach Dave Darn, the Wolfpack ranked number 13. Can you speak to uh, the challenges uh, or some of the challenges that ECU presents? Well, I mean, it starts with their quarterback. He's He's been there a long time. He's played a lot of football for him. Holt Naylor's, he's you know, a big kid, 230 pounds, can run. Lefty, strong arm. Uh, he's got receivers around him that can run. His tailback's an all-conference player. You know, so starts with them. You know, on defense, they're fast. They're they're not big, but they can really run, and they pressure from all over the place. There's a lot of movement in their defensive line. <clears throat> so they create disruption, and, and because of that, they were able to get a lot of turnovers forced on defense last year. So those are things you got to be ready for, along with the crowd noise that comes with playing on the road. Wolfpack Nation, is, I mean, that's a that's a, a very passionate fan base, uh, to say the least. But for you, does it seem like it's been, this is your 10th season? Yeah, I mean, it's gone fast, but uh, at the same time, a lot has happened here. You know, we've, we've grown a lot. We've improved the program in many ways. Uh, a lot of really good people involved in that process and very proud of the staff that we have, the facility improvements that have been made thanks to donors and, and what Boo Corgan and our Wolfpack Club have been able to do to help along the way. So it's a great place. We love Raleigh, and it's been an awesome place to raise our family. Last thought. I, I just want to kind of get your thoughts. Uh, obviously, the announcement of USC and UCLA moving to uh, the Big Ten. I just want to kind of get your overall thoughts in terms of the landscape of college football. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm I struggle with that move personally. I understand the finances behind it. The Big Ten's got an incredible te- television package, um, so I understand the money. And and at the end of the day, it's about business when it comes to moves like that. 
But for the student-athletes involved, I think it's a terrible move. I think for them to have to play in a conference that has nobody, you know, even close to them, they're going to be changing two, three time zones on every competitive trip. And football is the only sport that plays once a week. The rest of these kids got to play two, three games a week, you know, and travel all over the country as I think the student-athletes were lost in that move. And I, I would just love to see things happen and, you know, a normal way as opposed to seems like some of these decisions are backdoor decisions where the commissioners of the leagues aren't even aware they're happening, you know. So this doesn't seem like things are on the up and up, but until there's leadership that can reel things in, it's going to be that way. The number 13 NC State Wolfpack, again, going to be on the road on Saturday at East Carolina in his 10th season as the head football coach at NC State is Dave Doran, who joins us here on the program. Coach Doran, we appreciate the time. Good luck to you and the Wolfpack this season. Thanks for having me. Go Pack. We'll see if the Wolfpack able to make that next move, that take that next step, and at least make it to the ACC championship game. It's been a crazy week. Remember when we had John Wall on the program going back some three weeks ago? Well, uh, the we have the, of course, the conversation and video on our website that it went viral to the point that uh, that a part of that video was shown on first take uh, ESPN's first take sports center, et cetera. It was absolutely crazy. And uh, what a, what a week uh, it has been. If you want to watch that conversation in its entirety, you can check it out on the box to row YouTube page. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. Thank you to Mike Loxley. Thank you to Eddie Robinson, Jr., Thank you to Dave Doran. Thank you to Javon Hargrave for joining us today here on the program. I'm going to be calling the Aggie Eagle Classic in Charlotte, North Carolina A&T and North Carolina Central. Proud to be the play-by-play voice for North Carolina A&T. If you want to listen to the game, you can listen to the game on the SiriusXM app. And always remember to support those that support Yo, Box to Row is These produced by DW Communications. Take a taste and erase the racism. The ink is black, the page is white, together.